0: when we get angry. Maybe we just lash out at someone. Or we hit something. Or we throw something. And for others, anger becomes very abusive and very violent. If we were to be able to come up with a device, an invention, that could control people's anger, we could make a million dollars. You know, we could be rich. Because anger is so common to people. You know how it is, you're driving down the highway, minding your own business, driving like you should, and someone cuts in front of you, almost killing you and your family. Oh, that joke, they learn how to drive. You know? Or it could be in the line when you're waiting to go to the fair, or you're waiting in a restaurant, and you've been standing there patiently, waiting, waiting, and someone has the gall to cut in front of you. About ten people up. Where that person learn their manners? Can you believe that? Or it could be, you know that you always put the checkbook in a certain place. <laughs> Don't we, husbands? I mean, we always know where everything is. The keys and the checkbook. Dear, would you bring the checkbook here? I, I It's in on the uh, microwave. Or it's, it's over in the cupboard. Well, I thought you had it. No, I don't have it, dear. You know, it's always on the microwave. That's where I always put it when I'm done with it. And you know, this little scenario begins to build. Well, why do you always blame me? What do you mean, why do I always blame you? You. You're the one who takes care of all that stuff. Now, where's the checkbook at? And a little later on, after diligent search and much frustration, humble husband finds out. It's in his briefcase. Or in his coat pocket. Oh, I don't know how it got there. You know? I must I don't know. Who put it there? You know? Well, we know how these things go. We can relate to these kind of things, can't we? We can relate to anger. Probably the most universal way for dealing with anger. Well, if you hadn't provoked me, I wouldn't have gotten upset now, would I? Well, if you hadn't pulled out in front of me, if you hadn't done such a stupid thing, I wouldn't have got upset. It's called blame shifting. And it's the classic way for dealing with anger. Anger is one of those much more outward type emotions. Worry and anxiety, you can cover that by looking like you're a good planner. You know, like you're Mr. or Mrs. Cautious. When really it's just your worry, Fear, you can cover by saying... Well, I think it would be better if you did that. I think you'd be much more suited to do that. Or uh, some other way to hide our fear. Or jealousy. We can cover jealousy. Anger, the way we cover anger, is to blame. Usually to blame someone else. Or something else. Either someone or something got in our way. The interesting thing about emotions is this. I would never want anyone to think that what I've been trying to do the last four weeks is give you a self-improvement program. Because I have not. That's why I've been using the Bible as my basis for what I talk to you about. Most of us in this room have at some point or another been totally victimized and brutalized by our emotions. You know, they just grab a hold of us and they shake us to pieces. And we try and we try somehow to mellow and and to to see our emotions gain more in control. And yet sometimes it seems to be such an inability to do that. The first step to controlling our emotions is a little thing that's found in Proverbs 19 in verse 3 that I want to read to you a little verse. And it says, a man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. A man's own folly ruins his life, but his heart rages against the Lord. Now, I've found in my life that there's three things that usually take the blame for what happens in my life. Something, someone, or God. Do you know what I mean? God, how come you got me in this mess? You know, if you're the blessed controller of everything, if you're the one who's looking out for me, then how come I'm in this mess? Or, we blame some person who said something harshly to us. Or maybe they didn't hold up their end of a bargain. Do you know, maybe there was something that really needed to be done. And your part is going to look really bad if they don't do it. And they forgot to do it. And consequently, you're upset. Or, something happened. They're just driving down the road. It's pouring down rain. And you've got a flat tire. The first step, the first step to overcoming anger and dealing with it is to realize you got no one or nothing to blame. That's hard, isn't it? That's a really hard one. Now, wait a minute, Mark. Wait a minute. I mean, that person spoke that way to me. I mean, they deserved what I gave them. You know? Or, I mean, you know, I I just had that car into the mechanic the other day, and it was supposed to be fixed. And it's not. And I'm stuck out here somewhere with my family. You see, we always want to blame instead of dealing with it ourselves, instead of accepting responsibility for what's going on. It's so easy to pass the buck. And our society has become professional at that. I don't know if you realize that. John Hinckley Jr. wasn't to blame for what he did. Don't you realize that? No one is to blame for what they do. It's environment, it's pressure, it's poverty, but it's not you. Okay, if you want to live that way, you go right ahead. I just want to let you in a little secret. You'll never, never be able to deal with your problems. Never. You'll never find a solution for them and you'll never deal with them, you'll never be able to carry on a viable marriage, a viable family life, a viable relationship, and slowly but surely, your life will be eaten up because you're always trying to blame someone or something, or ultimately God. And this is what this verse says. Man's own folly. The Bible says that anger is foolishness. And man's own folly will ruin his chances. But his heart rages against God, or rages against someone to blame it on. That's the first thing. The second thing is to realize, as many of us I'm sure have, maybe to one degree or another, is that you can't control your anger by yourself. In fact, do you know every one of the emotions we've talked about? Whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, whether it's jealousy or anger, you are absolutely powerless by yourself against them. And some of you know what I'm talking about. I have heard so much, there are so many books on self-improvement. Channel your anger into something positive. Channel your fear into something positive. And I want to tell you something, that's baloney. That's a bunch of baloney. Because you cannot conquer the rage within without the help of God. On a permanent basis. I want to read you a verse from the book of Matthew. Chapter 5 and verse 21. We don't often think of anger as a very serious thing. But Jesus said here in the Beatitudes, when He was walking on earth, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. What Jesus is saying here, is pretty awesome to think about, you see. Subject to judgment. A murderer is subject to judgment. We would all agree with that ought to be the truth, right? But boy, how few you would find who would agree that a person who's angry with his brother or his wife or in something or God ought to be subject to judgment. You see, because anger is the root of murder. And God always goes to the very root There is no such thing as a self-help, fix-yourself kind of program as far as God is concerned. It can't be done. We're helpless against it. I remember when I was about 16, 17, and 18 through those years. I'm not exactly sure of all the reasons why. But um, I was a very angry, very rebellious young man. I think there are a lot of factors, none of which I could really blame on anybody, especially after what I said right and so I have to take responsibility for those things but I was a very very angry young man I was mad at life I was angry at God I was angry at my parents and I was angry at myself and I didn't like to lose and uh, I had a very volatile temper and uh, if I lost a game I just threw whatever was around if it broke it broke and I have spent much money in my youth fixing the things I broke out of anger, out of frustration, out of that emotional surge that rises within and I seem to be powerless to do anything about. And I remember at the age of about 20, God began working in my life and, and, I, be, and I began to realize that, that I needed someone or something in my life that my life wasn't complete, that my life was empty, that that I could never be satisfied with my life the way it was. And I tried, I really tried, to be patient, be kind. Somehow, though, if somebody wronged me or something happened, it got really tough. I remember one particular time at the young age of 17, and I had this old Ford, Fairlane 500. And I was going with this girl in high school, and uh, I was also that very possessive time of life. And uh, you know, love was everything. You know, it's everything or nothing. It's now or never. You know, you take all of me or none of me, and then I want all of you or none of you. You know, and I want all your time. And I remember this one night, she told me that, well, we couldn't get together because she was going to study. And I thought, you know, I need to be Mister Understanding here. So I said, well, that's fine. You know, that I was lying wasn't fine, but I thought I could fool her. So I said, oh, that's fine. You study, no problem. You know. So I went downtown because I had to run some errands downtown. And lo and behold, who do I see downtown with her girlfriend? But my girlfriend. That's all it took, man. I was in a rage. Uh, right in downtown Main Street, I revved that car had no muffler. I revved that car, oh, slammed on the brakes, shoved it in the park, right on the street, jumped out of the car and right on the street there. Just laid into her. I was so mad. Cuz I had see I, I had assumed this had already been happening to me. Cuz was other times she said she was going to study and I heard and I was hot. I was really hot. And uh, I wanted to get in the car, but she didn't. So, And I wasn't going to make any bigger scene than I'd already made. So I jumped back in the car and ran the car and dropped it in the drive at about, you know, 5,000 RPM. And, uh, you know, and took off. And, oh, I was hot. Got back a little later on to my house. I didn't go back for a while. Went down to the river. Sat, sulked thought about what a jerk I'd been, you know, and realized that, you know, I'm a volatile young man and, and I don't know what I can do about it. I don't know what I can do about it. And this is one of the things God used in my life to show me that I needed Him. You know, in AA, they talk about a higher power. That higher power has a name, and His name is Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, it is impossible Absolutely impossible to deal and handle your emotions. In first Second Timothy in chapter uh, one in verse seven, there's a little verse that I wanted to convey to you this morning. And it says, For God did not give us the spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. If you look out on the, on, on the sea, the ocean of mankind. You don't find these characteristics very often. Our world is very devoid of love. I was driving down the freeway four nights ago. It was about 11.30 at night and I was coming home from something, I forget, I was visiting with someone or coming home from a phone survey and then I'd been visiting with someone and I'm driving down the highway and off to the left on 35 right in the middle of the freeway is this beautiful white, Lincoln town car brand new and, and outside there's a man and I think w- a woman standing back by the corner panel of the rear of the car and i thought me that a flat so i was going to stop but i had i was just going a little bit too fast to, to stop and react and the next thing i knew arms were flying and this woman goes running across the freeway and up the side of the freeway and and uh, the guy, as I went by and was watching my mirror, just kind of stands there dumbfounded. And I thought, you know what a hurting world we live in. I mean, here probably what happened is they, you know, had a, an argument in the car. And they get out of the car, it gets so bad. And they're standing there and she takes off. And now what's this guy going to do? I mean, I don't know who's to blame. Maybe They're probably both to blame. And, you know, off into the night in one of the worst parts of town to be running off into... And our world is so empty of, of love or of power. Power that is to live a self-controlled life. Power to live a life that exemplifies what's good, what's gracious, and what's godlike. We don't see that in our society. The power to control yourself. The power of self-discipline. Whether it's with weight, whether it's with our speech, whether it's with our thoughts, whether it's with anything. We desperately need help. It's so important to understand that we desperately need help. Secondly, and again, reemphasize: we cannot be blaming other people. We've got to be willing to go, God, it is me. The problem is me. The problem is you. The problem is you and I have a sin nature. We have a nature within us that is bent on its own way. The bottom line really for anger is, Selfishness. Selfishness. We don't like the cards that were dealt us, and we're upset about them. We wished we would get something better, and we didn't. And so we're selfish. Well, Jesus Christ died for that selfishness. Jesus Christ paid for our self-centeredness, for our anger, for our jealousy, our malice, and our hate. And He tells us, that He's willing to forgive us and to give us a brand new life. You see, that's what being a Christian is all about. I was visiting with someone the other evening and we were talking about what a Christian is. And this young woman is really misunderstanding as to what a Christian was. She thought a Christian was someone who lived kind of like Jesus lived or tried to do good things. And I said, well, no, that's not what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who Christ lives in. That's a Christian. And then because Christ lives in them, they live a life like Christ lived. But the motor, the motor, the engine, the life juice to a Christian is God. God Himself living in us. Empowering us and giving us the power to do what is right. Doesn't mean a Christian's perfect or they don't get angry or they don't get impatient or they don't get worried or they don't get jealous or they aren't fearful. But now there's a new dimension to life. And that dimension is that there's power to call upon in their life, there's power to draw from God's power in your life. I think the third thing that's so important to understanding and overcoming anger is that there's forgiveness with God. Probably the most difficult thing for me, if I was going to tab one emotion, each of us, I'm sure, in the room today have one emotion that has been the most difficult for us, whether it's anxiety, fear, jealousy, or anger. For me, I would have to say it has been anger. And probably the most difficult Two, the first most dynamic thing that's helped me is knowing God is in me and He'll help me. That He'll help me be different. But the second one is to know that I'm forgiven. That I'm really forgiven. If you've ever done something foolishly or said something foolishly, you know how guilty, how guilt-ridden and how foolish you can feel. And it's very, very difficult to go on you know, it's, it can be very, very difficult, especially if it's happened, it happens again, and you really like to be different. And boy, the weight is just there on your shoulders. But to know that God forgives, and God gives us a fresh beginning, moment by moment, is really a revolutionary kind of a thing. Really a revolutionary kind of a thing. I was visiting with a friend the other day on the phone. This young man was relating to me that um, his days are kind of up and down. You know, if he does if his if his day starts good and he's been in the word and his days are pretty good. If he hasn't, his day's pretty bad. And he would say, Boy, you know, Mark, it's just so amazing. God's been blessing me, and I haven't, frankly, been doing much. And I said to him, So, what's new? He said, What do you mean what's new? I said, So what's new? That's the way God is. God is a merciful God. God does not give to us what we deserve. If he gave us what we deserve, we would be obliterated we would be obliterated, we'd be gone, wiped out, massacred. God is a merciful God. And when you learn that in your life, in your Christian life, when you come to Christ and you learn that God deals with you freshly, moment by moment by moment, I want to tell you, the chains get snapped pretty regularly. When you realize that maybe your frustration or your anger happened five times that day, And each time you could go to God freshly, He forgives. He gives mercy. He gives help and compassion. Rather than, well, you know, this is the third time. I'm getting a little fed up with this. That's not God. That's people. That is not God. It begins to unlock the power of God inside of you and gives you hope and courage to go on. And that's what we need. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control. The fruit of man is hatred, malice, jealousy, envy, murder, strife, anger, fornication, immorality, and the list goes on and on. Do you see? You've got to get a new Spirit. You've got to become a new you. And when you become a new you, then and only then do you even have a chance, you have a very good chance, of controlling these man emotions. These emotions that God made us with, but that without God, go totally out of control. You know, it's easy to put a decision off for Christ. It's easy to wait, as Nikki sang in her song, till tomorrow, some more convenient time. Some more distant occasion in the future. But God is willing to meet us where we are right now. And you may have realized this morning, you know, Mark, I can relate to what you're saying. I have that very need myself. My family, I'll tell you, I ought to just let you in a little secret. Most family lives today are pathetic. Are pathetic. Not a week goes by that I visit with two or three individuals and the picture, the glimpse I get of their family life is appalling. It's scary. It's scary. I wish this room was filled with 25,000 people who who could see today and know what I'm talking about. Some of you maybe that know the Lord, maybe have what you think is a wonderful family life. I want to tell you today what's going on in family life among people's is very scary young children that are sworn at wives that are sworn at the kind of hatred and malice that goes on within the home is unbelievable we desperately need god's love and god's peace in the home today in our lives today we are just we're just a, a, a society that is being ravaged by uncontrolled emotions you can have christ today Jesus said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus said, hey, today, today if you hear my voice, I'll come into you. I'll be with you. And you may realize today that what I'm talking about hits home to you. It hit home to me. I'll never forget two weeks after I came to know Christ in my personal life. I was working at my father's shop. And my job was to lift these hundred pound kegs up to a hopper about this high and dropped these fasteners in and they went down through a little chute and this threading machine threaded the inside of these nuts and I was lifting one up and it slipped and it fell and the wooden cage broke and there went a million pieces all over the f- concrete floor now those are the kind of things that get me got me angry really angry and Two weeks before that, I would have picked up another keg just out of anger and heaved it as far as I could, which wouldn't have been very far, and broke two million all over the floor, then walked away and come back and had to clean it up. And I remember I remember lifting this keg up and it fell on the floor. I went everywhere. I kind of chuckled to myself. My father was over there. I knew my father was watching me and I knew he was waiting for that second keg to go. <laughs> and I thought well let me see how am I going to pick these up and uh, if I would have had an electromagnet I would have used that I thought, a, a dustpan that's a quick way to do it so I got a dustpan and I started picking them up and I could just see my father's face over there in the corner you know like Jiminy you know what what's gotten into him and um Now, I've not always reacted that way since I've been a Christian. I'd be a liar if I said that. But God has certainly given me a new ability and a new power to handle life situations or human relations that come my way that in the past would have just torn me to pieces. I would have just gone in a rage. And I just want you to know today that God is willing, Christ is willing to meet you where you're at. He's really only this far away it's a matter of asking him to come into your life and to take over to take control to let him know that you're not going to blame anybody anymore but you're going to put the buck where it needs to be and that's right here say God it stops with me I'm an angry individual I'm a sinner and I need you in my life I need you to make my marriage work I need you to make my job I need you to make me work and I want you in my life and putting our trust in Him. And not in ourself or in our own self-help efforts, or in all the good things that we've done. But in Him. And the Bible promises. He promises He'll come in. I've experienced that in my life. I can tell you there's nothing on this planet like knowing Jesus Christ. There's nothing that has helped my marriage more than knowing Jesus Christ. Let's bow and thank God for our time today.